reading comes from 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 7. Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is able to ab- Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but dr- gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Looking at the whole idea of um, elders in the church, the pastoral team met a couple of weeks ago and one of the things that we decided was that we as a church needed to have a few more elders, a few more people who were helping to lead in the congregation, to help set policy, to help do pastoral care. Alvin talked about some of this last week, but just to, to highlight some of those things again. Um, elders have a responsibility to protect, to help to look after, to present the truth to the people of God. Not over, but serving. The, the Bible talks about this person as a shepherd and it says that part of the elders' responsibility is to help to keep the people who follow God aware of what error is and what truth is, to protect them, to, to be aware of what's happening in the world and to what's happening in the church and be able to give direction and help in that, particularly as it comes from the scriptures. But not only to protect, but to feed in the sense of to share the truth of God's word in, in an understandable, in a way that's applicable, in a way that people can take in. This is a part of the responsibility. The third responsibility is that leadership function, which is to help give direction for people in our lives. We're all called upon to be disciples of Jesus, so the elders' responsibility is to help point to Christ, but not only that, as to navigate through all the things that are happening around in the world and to give some good leadership in there. Fourthly, the elders have a responsibility, I suppose where the word pastor comes from, where the word shepherd comes from, which is to care. It's to practically to reach out and to, and to help people. If you remember reading in James, it talks about go to the elders and ask them to pray for you if you're sick that you might be healed. It's to, to love, it's to, to find those people who are drifting away from Christ and to gently bring them back. At times it is to go to people who are being willfully wafered and to bring discipline to them. It's, it's that loving, prayerful attitude that people are supposed to have for the people in care, in their care. So that, that's the role of an elder. And that was what the, the scriptures teach. This, this eldership is very clear in scripture. It's not to be overbearing. It's not to be punitive, it's not to be punishing, it's not to be harsh, but it's to have this servant attitude, that the elder is supposed to serve the people in the church, to care for them. It, it also is taught in scripture that elders are really to work together as a team. It's not just one person, but there's a group of people. God provides for the church those people that it needs to help do this shepherding function. And therefore there'll be a group of people who work together to share and to lead the people of God, to care for the people of God. Because one person can't do it. Two people can't do it, to be honest with you. Nine people can't do it. There are lots and lots of folk and there's lots of things where people would just like that word of encouragement, that prayer, that coming alongside. Now we're supposed to do that with each other. I mean, all the role that the elder has, all of us are supposed to be involved in doing this with each other. We disciple one another, we care for one another, we help to encourage and to equip and to lead and to give truth to one another. But the elders have that responsibility over the whole church. But the other thing that the scriptures teach is that this person, whoever they are, has to have some qualities about them. 
What I'd like to do is just take half a moment for you to get into small groups and think to yourself, if you were going to write the quality list of those people who were going to be your leaders in terms of spiritual matters, what qualities would you put in there? All right, I'm going to give you about two, three minutes to brainstorm. Just talk with the people around you. What would you have as the qualities you want up there? All right, you can steal from Timothy if you want to. That's fine. But have a quick discussion. What do you actually want to see in your elders? Two minutes. That's, that's, that's about right. So, I'm deaf. I'm deaf as a post. Uh, seriously, deaf as a post. So, um, as I ask you to call out, I'll have to come up close to you. Or someone else who's up the front who's got really good hearing, just yell it at me so that I can pick it up. Who wants to share some of the things that they think? These are the sorts of qualities that we need to have in someone who's going to be our, our leader, our carer, our pastoral shepherd, or whatever it is, the name that you want to call the person. Who are you, are you yelling at? Compassionate. Um, just to let you know, I'm a math teacher in a former life, not an English teacher, so if I spell it badly, just God loves even people who can't spell. All right. Yes. Did I get that right? Is that way? Okay. Is there something else that you would like to have in the type of qualities, qualifications of someone who's going to be a shepherd or a, or a leader? A people person. Okay. You've got to be a believer. <laughs> Amen. Christian. All right, there's this. Katie? Honest. Say, uh, knows the word. Strong Bible knowledge. Listener, which is different than within good hearing, isn't it? Yeah. Makes good coffee. Makes good coffee. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll go for that one. Okay. Are there, are there any other qualities that you want to have in someone who's... I'm ready to serve. Ready to serve? Whew. Pure in mind and body. Oh, pure in mind and body. Someone was at the morning service. <laughs> no, yeah. Yes, pure in mind and body. Okay. Ooh, tolerant but not of wrong. Uh, anyone else hasn't had? Yes. Welcoming. And and every time. I... 
welcoming, loving, open. If I ever turn my back, I don't hear a word you say. Down the back here. I don't know what the word is, but you need somebody who's already doing the job in the church. They're recognised leaders already. Yep. Um, if they got a I just track record or something, would that work? Yeah. Track record or they've, they've got experience, they're, they're doing it already, they're... Sincere, sincerity. One more, one more from somebody who wants to... John, what? Humble. Thank you very much. Amazing. That's, that's a list of qualifications. Right? And if we got to set the qualifications, we would have things like this. And in fact, this is how we judge people. And when we look at what the scriptures say at the moment, we're not actually going to come up with a list which is terribly different. You see, the sort of mature Christianity, the sort of person who we want to follow... The scripture says that's the sort of person because God's made us like this. We want to follow honest, sincere, pure, humble, gracious people. We want to follow people who are tolerant. We want to follow people who know good coffee, who understand God's will and can share it with us. This, this is what we want. And so when in a moment we look from the scriptures and you kind of go, yeah, like, duh, I knew that. That's because that God has provided in us this this is the sort of person that we actually want to follow. And many of the qualities, if not all of the qualities, when we look at Jesus, we say, yes, that's what he was like, which is one of the reasons he's so attractive to us. He's someone you know you can trust. He's someone you know who's sincere. He's someone you know who, who just loves compassionately. I love that passage. When he... Jesus looked out on the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What did he want to do? He wanted to be their shepherd. And so the scriptures teach that those people who are going to be elders in many ways have to be like Christ. Now what we're going to be talking about this evening is for, for us as a congregation to say who are these people that are amongst us that we would like to lead us? That's one thing to look at because we're calling for some nominations for people to be elders from this congregation. Now I'm hammering this point a little bit here because we don't have any. This congregation doesn't have any of that elder team who come from us in that sense. There are some of the elders who come here but in many ways they come to a couple of services and their main service is the 830 service. And so the encouraging be that God actually provides amongst his people, he gifts them with the gifts and skills that the body that they fellowship with needs. And so I would encourage you to look around and say, who matches these? Who amongst us is someone we could say, yes, that person has that caring, loving, gracious heart and they would like... That's the sort of person who can step up and be an elder in the church. But also look at your own heart because, as, as Alvin mentioned last week, we are called upon to actually desire this. Not so much desire the position, although it is a worthy position to desire, but to desire to be this sort of person. To desire to be mature in this way. Every single one of us wants to be, in some ways, like this and buff, but like this, right? That's kind of what we would appreciate being. And that's what God calls us to be, like this. And therefore, as we talk through these qualities, and you say, yes, that's the sort of person who might be a leader, also have a look at yourself and say, how do I get there? How do I become that sort of person? Now, the Holy Spirit gifts us and strengthens us and guides us so that we might become that sort of person, and the people who are our elders and our leaders are there to be models and examples before us that we might become that sort of person. So firstly, have a look and say, look around, who is this sort of person? Secondly, have a look at yourself and say, how do I become here? And then thirdly, go home and look in the mirror and say, am I the person who's got to step up and be nominated to be an elder? Most people say, I'm not there. 
really. I'm not. I don't want to do the job. But God has gifted people in this congregation to be the elders amongst us. And therefore, we, if that is you, then you need to step up and do it. So what I'd like to do is, is mention from both the passage we read tonight, which was Timothy, and the Titus passage, some of the qualifications that are there for elders. We've talked about what they are. Understand the reason that God says these are musts. Both in the Timothy passage and in the Titus passage, it says an elder must be like this. An elder must. Why is that? Well, the elder has the position to be God's steward, if you like, in the church. Not God's, not God's mouthpiece, God's representative. All right? We don't represent as elders God to you, but rather his steward, his servant to try and protect and lead and guide because that's what God wants done. Now, a steward over a household of God needs to have a godly character, needs to have the sorts of qualifications where they can represent God, which means they have to have an understanding of the scriptures because they need to be sharing what God wants with people, what he's shared and given in his word. It's one reason the qualifications here and the ones we'll talk about from scripture are so important because when we elect these people to be elders over us, they are God's stewards. And part of that stewardship role is mentioned in 1 Peter, and that is that elders are to be examples to us. We talked about this is the sort of person we want to be our leader because we're prepared to follow that person. And therefore, if we're going to elect someone to the position of elder, they have to be the sort of person who they can actually say to others, do what I do. Walk like I walk, live like I live. doesn't mean perfect, but it's like Paul was able to say, do what I do. Now, all of us should be able to do that if we're in a relationship with someone where we're discipling them, where we're pointing them to Jesus, and they struggle sometimes to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. We should be able to say, look, come and do what I do with me. See how I follow Jesus and do something similar or like it. And therefore the elder has to be someone who is able to be followed. Thirdly, we, the church, the scriptures set these out as musts because that protects the church. We don't want someone being the leader who doesn't do this. Because the sort of person, if they don't have integrity, if they don't have compassion, if they're not someone who's humble, who has a servant heart, when they lead, they'll lead off track and they'll cause damage and turmoil and trouble. And, and God's laid out fairly quick, clearly, I would like this sort of person, and that protects you as a group of people. It protects you as a flock, as a body, from the damage that comes. All right. There are nine things. I mentioned these this morning. If you were here, then it'll be reasonably similar because Timothy and Titus since then haven't changed much. Um, they, they don't change a whole lot. Um, they don't change at all. Um, the first thing as we go through the Timothy passage and the Titus passage that it talks about qualifications for elders. I think I only have nine of them, but it's, you know, it's really just one point. This is what the qualifications are. Number one, an elder has to be above reproach. An elder has to be above reproach. And I tried to explain this. I explained the, the youth ministry team has, has been going through a covenant. I've gone through the covenant with each of them. One of the things it says that to be in the youth ministry and the leadership, you have to be above reproach. And trying to explain what that means, and I gave this example this morning. I don't know if any of you have noticed it, but my ears are at different levels. One of them's about that much lower than the other one. Can you see? The only person who really notices is my hairdresser. And I, that's why I haven't gone back for so long, because it's really embarrassing. <laughs> but nobody really notices, yet it's a defect. Well, 
<laughs> or it could be really great. Um, but it's, it's not reproachable in that sense. However, on the other hand, if I had an ear that was up here and an ear that was down here, then everybody, when they talked about it, would say, you know the guy with the funny ears? At the moment, they say, you know the pastor with the long hair? But now they say, you know, you know the guy with the funny ears? That's the one I'm talking about. That would be something which is a handle that can pull me down or which can label me. And what it says is that elders are to be above reproach. In other words, there's nothing about them that has got a handle on them that pulls them down and can use to pull them down. It doesn't make them perfect because we all sin, we all do stuff that we shouldn't do. But if it's a habit, if it's something that everybody is kind of aware of that is a, a signature of ours, you know, that grumpy guy that always sits down in the back corner and never smiles at anybody, him. That's the one I'm talking about. Because check, there's nobody sitting down in the back corner who's grumpy. Um, no, he's smiling. <laughs> if it's something like that, or you know that girl that you know just always talks, 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 talks about other people. When you have those sorts of qualities, when everybody knows who you're talking about, because of a characteristic or a sin that's in your life, that means you're, you've got a reproach. There's something they can grab hold and pull you down. And it says that people who are going to be an elder, a pastor, a shepherd in the church should be people who don't have those. They can have ones that lift them up. You know, the guy that's always happy, the guy that's always gracious, the person who's always loving. That's fine. But it's not something that can pull them down. The second thing, the elder has to be faithful in relationships. We, we talked about being pure here. In, in Timothy, I talked about the person being a husband of one wife. And, and the, the phraseology there means a, a one-woman man. Um, in other words, if they've got a commitment, they stick to it, particularly in terms of sexuality. But that doesn't mean that, that the elder has to be married because we know from the New Testament there were people who were in that position in the church who were single, right? But it does mean that whoever is in that position has to have integrity, particularly in their minds and their bodies in terms of their relationships with others. It's, it's vital. If you look back through the history of the church, so many times those in leadership have strayed and caused disgrace to Christ and damage to the church because their minds and their bodies were sexually impure in either what they thought, what they looked at, or what they did. And the scripture says the person that is chosen to be this has to be someone who in their very attitude to life shows and exhibits that purity. And we have to keep them accountable to that and constantly keep them there. Thirdly, the elder must be self-controlled, not given in to their passions. That doesn't mean we can't be passionate because we can. We're supposed to be excited about life and love and people and music and art and great things but we don't give ourselves into those passions we keep control of them in other words the the elder is to be free from the excessive influence of their passions or their lusts they have to maintain control of their thoughts of their body of their emotions i suppose if we thought about it this is people who don't get drunk on wine is kind of what it's looking at. But wine's not the only thing people get drunk on. People get drunk on power. People get drunk on lust. They get drunk on their possessions. They get drunk on having a great reputation. They get overly concerned with what they look like. And they don't keep it under control and it just gets out of control and they lose control. example I used this morning, <laughs> and I've been thinking about it all day, which probably tells you something about my stomach. Um, last night we went out... Uh, we actually had people over at our place so we had a party for my sister-in-law and um, a lot of the people who came were um, Asian and they brought roast pork I don't know if you know that roast pork that's just nicely cut up into the little tiny squares you can get it at Burlington down at Sunny it's absolutely brilliant and I love this stuff I really, really enjoy it and this lady, she didn't just bring this little tiny piece which is what she should have brought she brought a piece and it was all cut up and it was put down in front of me. I'm not passionate about that stuff. But I controlled it. I only had ten pieces. Um, um, but that's the sort of thing, you know, we, 
we lose control. That's why people that they they like drinking, and they lose control with their drink. They they sit on the computer console, and they're going to play a game, and then they play two games, and then they play three games, and you come back early the next morning, and they're still sitting there bleary eyed because they haven't even been to the bathroom yet, and you say, "What do you have One more game." They don't have control of their desires. And the scripture says, no, an elder must be self-controlled. And don't think that uh, this is only about young people. Old people have the same um, concerns, not being able to control themselves. Number four, an elder must be hospitable. Someone who welcomes others, particularly into their homes, into their lives, interacts with them. And it's not just And in fact, it's not primarily with family and friends. The scriptures teach that the person who's going to be a shepherd over the flock of God is someone who has this attitude of love and welcoming to the stranger and the visitor, who embraces them, who brings them into their home, who feeds them, who offers them a bed, who shares the life with them. That's the sort of person, because that's the attitude of caring that someone who's going to be a leader over the flock who's going to go outside and help bring people into and amongst the people of God is supposed to have. Fifthly, the elder has to be able to teach. This is one of the skills, in fact it's one of the two main skills that it talks about that an elder is supposed to have. The teaching is critical to the foundation of the church because with the elder as a steward of God the elder has a responsibility to help people understand the word of God, to expound it, that people might live it. But don't get confused with the fact that someone has to be able to stand up here and prattle on for a while. It's not just teaching in this group, it's teaching in a small group. It may even be sharing and communicating the gospel of Jesus one-on-one with someone, that they might understand what the scriptures have to say. And even broader than that, if you read in Ephesians chapter 5 or Colossians chapter 3, it actually says that through the singing that we do, people learn. There are lots of different ways that people might be involved in teaching and sharing and equipping folk with the truth of Scripture. But what we have to have is people who communicate clearly and you can see the fruit of their communication amongst people. Number six. And it's kind of a carry-on from the self-control, but it's actually how does it live out in action? Not just don't do that, but the scripture says that the elder has to be sober. Not just not drink too much in terms of control, but they have to have sort of a, a calmness to their life. They don't get carried away one way or another. It talks about it in particular in terms of things like violence. An elder is not someone who gets angry easily. They don't get argumentative. You bring up something with them and they just go off. If that's somebody, then they shouldn't be an elder. The elder has to not only have self-control, but they have to have calmness, gentleness. They have to be able to take a step back from a situation you know, and let the person rant for a while and let them get it out of their system and then say, so what are we going to do with this? How, how are we going to work with this together? What are we going to do with it? They don't take offence easily because they're calm, they're gentle, they're compassionate. That's the sort of person they're respectful that we want to have, that the scripture teaches to have as an elder. Seven, the elder must not be focused on things like money, privilege, reputation, but their eyes are fixed on Christ. You don't want to do a job of being a leader because of what you get out of it. The idea, the scripture says, is the person is not in it for the money. They're not in it for the rep. They're in it for Jesus. That's the sort of person you want. Who does things for the body already. And I can think of people here in the congregation who have been here since 4 o'clock or earlier doing things to get ready and you see that they've got this idea that I want to do things for people, they do it back behind the scenes because their idea is how can we worship as a family? That's the attitude you want to have in leadership. Second last, because I can't remember how I'm up to. An elder must have a good reputation. This is what Warren mentioned. They've got to have a, what did I say? 
experienced. The scriptures say that whoever you want to have doing the job is someone whom you've seen can already do the job. And so it talks about that you've got to look at their family. This is the second skill, if you like. If they're going to manage, if they're going to administrate, if they're going to lead, then you have to see that when they've done it beforehand, it's been positive. It's had a good effect. They've got a good reputation. So it says, look at their family. Look at their relationship with the spouse. See, see what's going on there. Is there respect? Are they following? Are they polite? Is, is that relationship positive? If they don't get on well with their wife, if they're always fighting, what makes you think that when they get in a situation as leading someone, that that's going to work? So it says, look at their family. And then it says, have a look at their work. Have a look at the community. Are they respected in the community? If they're respected in the community, then that gives you some idea that the sort of person they are is respectful, worthy of respect. And if they're not, if they've got a bad name, why would, why would you want them as a leader in the church? That's where it goes. And then the last one, it says that the qualification is that the person who's an elder has to be mature, not a new believer doesn't mean they can't be young but it says they shouldn't be someone who's just new in the faith because they should have developed within them some of the habits of following Christ that others will follow some of the wisdom some of the foundations of scripture have had time to, to go through they've persevered through some difficulties and they're the sort of person that you want to have at least these are the qualifications that it says an elder should be and you guys think of that and say wow Who's like that? Well, the thing is, some of you are like that. Maybe in some of the areas you want to get a bit more mature, but it's really hard for us at times to evaluate how much is enough. I mean, hospitable is the one that I think is easiest. How many times does someone have to have people in their homes for them to be hospitable? And if they don't have that many times, then they're not hospitable. I mean, if you walk up to someone who's nominated to be an elder and you say, excuse me, how many times have you had people in your home this month? And he goes, well, four. You say, sorry, five's the number. How many have you had? Five, you're in. Okay. Um, that's not kind of where it's at. It's a bit hard to tell because people have different gifts, different habits, but it's the attitude we're after. So what we're doing as a church is we're asking all of the congregations, all the members, all the people, to come together and pray that we might have God's wisdom and God's peace in this matter. We all have to know what the qualifications are and what the job description is. But as we go and say, who should we choose, we need God's help in this matter. And so we're going to have prayer meetings all of October on Wednesdays. 6 o'clock in the morning, some of you might not make it. All right? 12 o'clock midday or 7 p.m. in the evening on Wednesdays. Any of those three or all of them, we're going to be meeting here in the church as, as a group of people praying and saying, who, Lord, do you want to be our elders? Who is it that you would like to put on our minds and our hearts that we might have peace about to nominate to be an elder? That's for the month of October. Nominations close at the end of October. And then throughout the period of November, for the first couple of weeks, during all of the services, we'll introduce the people who have been nominated to you, bits and pieces about them, that you might be aware of the person. You might be able to ask some wise, godly people around you, what do you know about this person? And then in that last week of November before the members meeting, I think it's on the 25th, right? every night that week we're having a prayer meeting here as well, in the evening, to say, Lord, out of these people, which are the ones that we should agree are the ones to go forward? And, and which ones at this point in time are you saying no to? You see, it's not based on whether we like them as a person or not. It's not whether we've seen them do something wicked somewhere. It's These are the qualifications. Who does God want us to have peace to go ahead and vote for? So I would encourage you all to come to the meetings in October, come to the prayer meetings in November. If you're a member, come to the members' meeting and express. If you're not a member yet, you want to be, you've got a couple of months one and a half months to be involved in saying yes I want to be involved in that aspect of choosing
the last thing, and then I'm going to open this up for a few questions in case anybody has any they want to ask me, is the controversial issue of women elders. This has kind of been mentioned a few times and people said, shh, shh, don't talk about it. Well, I'm really good at following directions. It's not one of them. Okay. Uh, just to say that, look, leaders and members and even elders um, here at SDBC hold a whole variety of views regarding whether or not uh, women are permitted, according to the scriptures, to occupy the position of elders. And these people who love God, are passionate about the scriptures, want its integrity maintained, each of them, as they've prayed it through, have actually reached different conclusions. People haven't lacked integrity when they've done that. They just have prayerfully thought it through and they've come to different conclusions. Even on the pastoral team, there are different expressions of an answer to that. Now, such differences are not allowed to divide us. They are not allowed to destroy our fellowship and they can't come between the love we show for one another. So I suppose all that I really want to say is just to encourage you to continue to show grace to one another. Continue to talk it all through. Continue to seek what God's will is and what he's saying in the scriptures and keep praying it all through and talking about it. But do it in humility and do it in openness so that together we might work to having an understanding of what God wants. But at the moment, the, the position of the pastoral team in, in, in unity, not, not that everyone agrees that that's what it says, but saying this is what we are going to do. The, the position of the pastoral team is that the nominations for the elders are open to both men and women and that such nominations, all of them, will be received with thankfulness and uh, really a thankfulness for the willingness and the giftedness of those people who come forward. So as you're thinking that one through, keep thinking it through. But regardless, male or female, man, woman, um, you're welcome to nominate as you prayed that through. And for your help, the sorts of things that have been in the sermons are in a a booklet down the back if you want to take one. That's an information book on the nomination of elders. It's got what's in the handbook in it. It tells you about the current elders a little bit. And there's some nomination forms at the back as well. They've got to be in by the end of October. So if you're interested in either of those things, do that. So that's the eldest thing. And while you're still thinking about your questions, I would also encourage you for another reason to come for um, the prayer meetings in October and November. The other thing we're going to seriously be praying about that time is another prayer point in terms of leadership, which is as we're going through the search for a new associate pastor, another associate pastor who's going to have an emphasis on you, we want God's leading and direction in that as well. And so some of that time, if not half of that time, is going to be spent in praying again for that decision as it's made as well. Okay. Does anyone have any questions about elders that they just want to ask in general? didn't do this in any of the other services, but I figure if you guys have any questions, now's the time to ask. Or forever hold your peace. No, not forever. You can ask me afterwards. Does anybody want to ask something? And Michael, Michael, Michael. No, I'm kidding. Love you. Uh, so, what does an elder actually do? What's that? What does an elder actually do? What here? Yeah. <sighs> well, because we actually only at the moment have nine of them, is a lot of the time is spent trying to actually deal with some of those major policy issues that are around it. What would we love to be able to do, one of the reasons we want to ask and find more elders, is there's ministries in the church which are happening in, and there are people in the church who are going through things in their life and we don't have people who can actually reach out and show them the pastoral care. So one of those things is the pastoral care and the love, the prayer for the people. So um, we're looking, particularly the, the elders as they come on board will be involved in that. Um, being involved in some of those ministries in terms of encouraging, equipping and just showing that shepherding role not not doing the leadership side of it in terms of the programming but overseeing and making certain that as as a people 
God in particular areas, in particular ministries, those people are cared for. And you can think of a lot of the ministries that we do which kind of seem to operate almost on automatic control unless a problem comes up. And the idea would be that we don't have that problem happening. There's policy stuff that has to be done, vision stuff that has to be done. You know, we, we get together and we meet at the moment every two weeks for three or four hours um, in terms of discussing issues that are coming up with the church. It might be good to have more folk to help with that process that so we can actually split up into a couple of committees maybe, spend a bit more time doing the work outside so that when we get together we make a lot more progress on that type of stuff. Because at the moment, if everybody's got to get together to talk, it's a lot. Um, spend time praying for the church, um, going and doing some of that visiting that needs to be done. The elders sometimes go and do some of the visiting and really just touch the surface of the people who would love to be to be connected with. So there's some of the tasks that are done. The visioning, the caring, the pastoral care, and some of that talking with folks on a one-on-one basis and working the ministry. Any other questions? That was a skip. One at a no. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I just prepared it for you. I said I will email you because it's really many questions. And uh, the morning service and tonight, it touched deeply because uh, you really uh, preach not just about elders. It's about us. It's how God wants to see us, everyone. So uh, I had some questions that uh, our mistakes in the past, our sins, for how long, you know, um, plus if, for example, another part of a, a conflict doesn't want to do anything to solve the conflict, uh, does it uh, hold you back uh, not to be in the position, or all, all of this, you know, like, is it a Satan uh, who is working hard to keep the guilt on us? Or do we need to work harder to serve God? Does it stop us? So, it's just so much. I might not answer all of that, but I do think um, some of it, definitely. It's this above reproach thing in terms of, of the things that we've done in the past. So I don't think that a particular sin even... I mean, if if I think of Paul the Apostle, uh, an an abuser of the church, uh, he killed folk, he had a change in his life and that was visible. Mark, who obviously did something to upset Paul and so there was this break between Barnabas and Paul because of this person's attitude in life and yet later on he was restored and brought back. So I think there's lots of what we do where we've done things in the past that don't disqualify us because our life now has a whole new whatever about it. Um, Well, I suppose let me put it this way. If you'd known me four years ago, I had short hair. And yet when I talk to people here, everyone says, I can't imagine you with short hair. Because the image that you have is this. Now, even if we're in the same place, who we are becomes what people see and recognise of us. So I think a lot of the time the guilt is actually brought down by the evil one or by ourselves not accepting what Christ has done. So how much time is necessary there? Well, I think it's enough time to change our reputation, enough time to change how we're seen. And hopefully we're gracious enough to one another that we will not bring up that stuff when we've seen the change in folk. And so some of the problem is the fact that the people around us need to learn that we're family and things in the past are in the past, generally. Now, having said that, I think there are some times when the scripture says, look, you've done something and it's disqualified you for the future. I think, for example, of um, the polygamous situation. You know, when we go into Africa and someone's been a a polygamist, they've got five or six wives, which is far too many. (laughs) One's just right, darling. Um, 
Um, when they become a Christian, what they've done in the past, the scripture says that the person has to have one wife. And it's fairly strong there because they're an example. They can't get rid of their wives and say that the last four, believe it or not, this is church policy in some places, you can get rid of them as long as it's the last one. You can't keep the best, you've got to keep the oldest. That's just the way they do it. Um, that, that, you can't change your situation. So there are some things that we've done in the past which always hang on that because it's happened, it doesn't mean that we can't serve in all sorts of areas but I think it does mean, look, that example is always going to be there. So the, the wise thing to do is say, I know that that, that example that's there has, has set me into it, and that might change. I think it has to be something that Scripture says very clearly. That's, that excludes you from that position. Uh, the, the one that I think is, is a big, difficult issue, controversial issue, but a great question, um, might be family. The scriptures say, look at their family. And I know some people have, have worked in their family for a while and they've even done a great job. But if you look in the family, there are someone in there who's rebellious and gone astray. And the scripture says, look at their family. If their kids don't, aren't respectful, then they shouldn't be. Now, I know one of my best friends, one of my best friends, I ring him up every now and say, can we have a tuck shop day? Tuck shop day means we go out and buy lunch. All right? And we go and have a tuck shop day and we talk to one another. A lovely person. One of my best friends, one of the most godly people I know. One of his kids rebelled. So when it comes to a position in eldership, he, he steps himself out. And can I look at his life? Can he look at his life and say, this is what I did that excludes me? And I, I don't think that's even possible. But it's this idea, God says, I can't. So he excludes himself. He says, I don't put myself up for that. And everyone says, that's not fair. And his attitude, and I think mine would be, no, God sets the rules here. And he says that, so you exclude yourself. Or you, the church, as it seeks wisdom, might say that. And it's a really difficult question. So we can talk more about it. But yeah, great questions. Two to eight. We probably don't have any time for any more. But if that's got you thinking and you want to ask more questions, please come and talk to me and see or we'll discuss this around. Let me close in prayer and then we'll sing the last song. Heavenly Father, this, this issue of being your people in your place, doing your ministry in your strength with your spirit, is something that we want as your people to understand. And Father, as we look forward to leaders in the future, a new associate pastor, as we have new elders who step up and are, are uh, agreed upon by us as a prayerful people to be our leaders in this place for a period of time, we ask that you lead, you guide, you direct, but also within each of us in our hearts, that you might bring us to a position where we will be worthy to be stewards in your household also. Father, we ask these things in the precious name of our Saviour Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing together our final song. You're the God of this city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of the nation, you are. You're the light in the darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are.
Everything and you have your hand through everything. 